Greetings, little one. Are you a good witch or a bad witch? Bad witch! I'm not a witch, I'm your wife! What makes you think she's a witch? Well, she turned me into a newt! A newt. What's thou like to live deliciously? Got better. Dost thou comprehend? Welcome to Real Magic, the podcast at the crossroads of real witchcraft and Hollywood magic, where paganism and the supernatural meet their reflections in movies and television, and where we talk about what real magical or life lessons we can learn from fictional witches from 100 years of movie pictures. I'll get you, my pretty, and your little dog, too. Hello there, witches and weirdos. Welcome to The Real Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Mason, and thank you for joining me for another episode talking about our favorite witchy and magical movies. So first off today, I want to say gong hei fa choi, happy Lunar New Year, also happy Valentine's Day, and happy February, though for a lot of us, February is kind of a cold, short month, but still, spring is coming. It's pretty exciting. Though today we're talking about the more romantic aspects of February. We're talking about The Love Witch, directed by Ann Biller and starring Samantha Robinson. But as our guest, we have a real love witch with us. We have Gabriella Herstick, who is one of my favorite witchy authors and just people in general. Gabriella has written for Vogue, Nylon, High Times Magazine with her High Priestess column. She is a devotee of Venus and love magic, and she's just an amazing person. She's got several books out, including Inner Witch, A Modern Guide to Ancient Craft, Bewitching the Elements, A Guide to Empowering Yourself Through Earth, Air, Fire, Water, and Spirit, and her latest book is Embody Your Magic, A Guided Journal for the Modern Witch. So we're very excited to have Gabriella here. But first, a few little housekeeping things. I told you guys that if you left a review on the pod, I would read it out loud. And oh my gosh, one of you left a lovely five-star review for me. It says, from Katie, Caitlin, Katie, it says, so fun. I love this podcast. Jessica has such great conversations with her guests about all the best witchy movies and shows. I definitely recommend it. Thank you so much, uh, Caitlin, Katie. That means so much. And if anyone else wants to read it, uh, write a review or rate the pod, uh, please do. I will read it on there. Also, you, if you have questions, suggestions, want to talk about your favorite movie, you can email us at realmagicpod at gmail.com. So I'm looking forward to hearing from all of you. But we'll talk about more of that later in the end notes. But now let's go ahead with our conversation with Gabriella Herstick about the love witch, love magic, sex magic, and everything in between. Where were we? <laughs> oh, uh, men. You said we need to give them what they want. Well, what do men want? Just a pretty woman to love and to take care of them and to make them feel like a man and to give them total freedom in whatever they want to do or be. <laughs> but what about what we want? How are we going to be equals with men if we keep catering to all of their needs? I think that if you want love, you have to give love. Giving men sex is a way of unlocking their love potential. You sound as if you've been brainwashed by the patriarchy. Your whole self-worth is wrapped up in pleasing a man. So welcome to The Real Magic Podcast, Gabriella Herstick. Thank you so much for being with us. Yay, thank you for having me. 
So before we get into the love witch, I like to ask my guests, like, what was your favorite witch or magical, witch or magical movie growing up that kind of made you believe in magic? Ooh, good question. Um, Honestly, I feel like the first thing that comes to mind, I was like a big fan of Tim Burton growing up, like 90s Tim Burton, like starting with Mars Attacks and then like moving through like Beetlejuice and even like Sweeney Todd, but I feel like like Lydia Dietz definitely had some witch vibes, even though she didn't use it. And like there was oh, yeah. definitely like an element of like supernatural fantasy that I really loved. And of course the looks um, and just everything about her. But I feel like probably Morticia Adams. Like I just, I feel like the Adams family has always been like in my life. And it's a movie that like my parents both like, which is kind of rare as far as like a cult and magical related anything goes. And even though she like doesn't really talk about it, I mean, Grandmama does talk about like being descendant from somebody who is in the Salem Witch Trials at some point. But I just love her kind of macabre energy and like that kind of, I mean, there's definitely supernatural elements to that and like magical elements and casting spells was kind of a part of their behind the scenes stuff. I feel like at least with the grand, with Grandmama, but I don't know. I mean, I like grew up on Harry Potter, so that's like super influential, but I fuck JK Rowling, honestly. Yeah, fuck JK Rowling. So that's all I'll say for that. But <laughs> um, yeah, there. I feel like there's definitely like, it was more subtle for me. And then obviously like, I saw the um, the Wizard of Oz, which I, I liked, but I wasn't like super into that. I don't, I feel like I was never, it was never like super about witches for me. I was just like more of like fantasy and just like liking macabre, otherworldly, supernatural things that like eventually bubbled over into like macabre, just switch territory, I guess. One of the things you've been tweeting about actually had me thinking about how this character influenced me in like my conception of empathy and empathic abilities and psychic abilities is Deanna Troy on Star Trek. Oh my God, I love her so <laughs> and much. She's not a witch at all, but she's like very kind of psychic and like mm-hmm. she's our model empath and sort of yeah. model for empathic magic. So I think so Deanna Troy kind of is in that. Yeah, too. absolutely. Also Hocus Pocus. I loved that oh God, movie yeah. growing up. That was so good. Like that one was really good. And yeah, I love Deanna Troy. I like wish I'd watched Star Trek as a kid, but I'm actually pretty happy that I started later when I can like fully appreciate and understand it. Yeah. But she is a definitely, she's in my, Deanna Troy is in my heart. Deanna Troy is in my heart rather. Oh my God. She's the best. Um, and there's also that great Star Trek episode where like Beverly falls in love with like a ghost and it's like, oh, yeah, a, it's like Outlander so but with an alien ghost. <laughs> Real. Um, but we're here to talk, sadly we're not talking about Star Trek today. We're talking about another great movie that is, I wanted to talk about this for Valentine's Day because yeah. you are a love witch, really. I mean, thank you. I think about you and I think about this movie. And so The Love Witch came out in 2016, I think. I'm going to look at IMDb right now. Um, and directed by Ann Billers, starring Samantha Robinson. It's also starring one of the actors is a guy I know only from Supernatural. The first man she kills is played by Jeffrey Vincent Paris, oh who God. I knew from Supernatural. I'm like, oh, oh I've met him. He's very weird. Very nice guy, but very like travels with his own bongos sort of guy. Mm-hmm. We've all met that guy. 
But so when did you first see this movie and how did it resonate with you when you first saw it? Oh my God. I saw this first movie. It was, I might've been, I don't remember what the name of the theater is. It's a theater on Fairfax Avenue in Los Angeles. I don't think it was Tarantino's theater, but um, I saw it with my friend Alexander Roxo, who actually wrote the uh, forward for my latest full length book. And we just like went on like a friend date and saw it. And I saw it, I think it was 2017 that I saw it. It's already been out, I think for like a year or so. Um, and I just like walked away from that movie transformed. I just remember leaving and be like, what the fuck did I just see? Like everything about it, like it, the colors, the the aesthetic, like the storyline, the the camp, the kitsch, like, and like just like the overly like witchy occult elements down to like, you know, like the kind of like Wiccan vibe of her coven and like the decorations of her apartment, which I later learned were based on the Thoth tarot deck. Like it's just, it just impacted me so deeply. And like, I feel like it's just been hanging out in my subconscious ever since then. And it's like definitely one of my favorite films of all time. It's just incredible. And like, I just remember like, I had, think I like had learned about it. And then like, I think I maybe I wrote about wrote about it for hello giggles or something when i was there and like learning how long it took anna biller to make it was just it like it lives in my head rent free and it has lived in my head rent free since i saw it in theaters yeah it's such an amazing movie because of the production design for one thing mm-hmm. and the aesthetic of it mm-hmm. is so fantastic like the look the very retro look and it's it's got this so many layers because it's very retro and sixties and sort of psychedelic though. It is like set in the, mo- when people pill out cell phones in this movie, it's so know, disconcerting. It's so I'm like, what's going on? I, thought I know. Or like, it's like a regular like car, like a fucking Toyota in it. And you're like, what? Yeah, What's going on? But the way that they went into the design and how it kind of echoes like the early seventies, sixties, mm-hmm. witchy vibe of like so mm-hmm. many of these, you know early Wiccan books and Pulp practices books. like yeah, you know yeah. like Raymond Buckland was he mm-hmm. a you know consultant on this and yeah, so they really did their research so like can you talk about you said you've done some work about like how Ann Billers went about making this movie yeah I mean I think it took her like seven years to make it and she literally did every single thing like everything like she did the costumes, she did the set design um I know she directed it I think she wrote it like produced it like she she, it's like a one-woman show really I mean Samantha Robinson the actors and actresses like they fucking nailed it but um I know that she like researched it and she like spent time like actually making everything and yeah you can definitely tell like the Gardnerian Wiccan influence with like the high priest the high priestess and like the you know the great right part and um even just like the fact that like they I mean if you look at a Thoth deck like Aleister Crowley's deck that was painted by Lady Frida Harris like those they say that that's like the colors that was that um her apartment Elaine's apartment is like painted and based on and like that's real those colors really are like out of that deck um and it was it just I really appreciated it I like that there's this element of like fantasy but it's also like not necessarily satirical but like kind of satirical and kind of just like I don't know it makes me think of like what if men treated what if women treated men like men treat women like she was just using them and like not using them but there's just I don't know we all have this kind of fear around love spells I was on a um the podcast last week talking about this and it's like 
it, it just, you know, I feel like it kind of shows everybody's fear of like casting a love spell on somebody and seeing it go wrong because like you're like fucking with this person's free will and then like you kill them like I feel like it's everybody's worst you know worst nightmare um when you're just trying to get a little love so I think there's a lot of a lot of different elements and I as like somebody who works with sex magic and love magic like I just really resonated with like the intensity of it because it is like a very intense current of energy and emotion it's so interesting yeah it's very much a movie about kind of a be careful what you wish for movie yeah. in terms of like maybe don't take this as a good example of how to yeah. do love magic yeah exactly <laughs> I mean and it shows like I think that we forget that like all I, I would argue that most of the goddesses of love if not all of the goddesses of love are also dark goddesses because love is such um an intense experience and love can cause pain as much as it can cause ecstasy and bliss and like I think of the goddess Lakshmi, who's like the goddess of abundance and prosperity and Hindu mythos. And like, even she has this like negative twin called Allah Lakshmi. That's like greed and like possession. And like, you know, like most of the goddesses of love are also goddesses of war. There's this kind of like intense duality with it. So I, I kind of appreciate that. Like there was that total, like, it's not just like, Oh, like you're going to fall in love. And like, that's it. It's like, no, like, if you're summoning the goddess of love, if you're summoning love magic, then like you have to be ready for the totality of that experience mm -hmm. because it's not always going to be sweet. There's going to be thorns. If you look at like the, the Eros and Psyche mm -hmm. myth where mm -hmm. like Aphrodite, she puts Psyche through, like she literally makes her go down to the underworld yeah, and then she dies. <laughs> I mean, like yeah. Aphrodite puts her through it. Yeah. And, but it shows it's sort of about, the transformative aspects yeah. of love and mm -hmm. you know and this movie is about what happens when you try and control people or try and bring love into your life when you're not maybe in the right headspace for yeah. it and when you're trying to summon it with somebody who might not have it for you at all like that's also something that like I've been thinking about after talking on um podcast last week is like yeah like and our, even crystals work this way where there's like with like a love spell, like if you're casting a love spell on somebody, there has to be a kernel of that emotion that's going to grow. There has to be yeah. something that's resonating. It's just like crystals resonate with like certain things within you that already exists, whether that's an energy of healing or abundance or protection. And it's like, she just tries to cast these love spells on people where there is like no, nothing there. I feel, or I guess I think she does use her seductive abilities. Like, yeah glam it up but I just am thinking of like the guy that she like when she's sitting on the bench and she's like makes eyes at that, at that guy and he like comes over and they just like go to his cabin like literally like within like five minutes it's like it might not have been there before but like once he sees her it's there and she fucking works it and it can be can be dark mm -hmm. it's very much like a love spell is like you <clears throat> you can't no matter how much you water and fertilize something if you don't have a seed there nothing's gonna grow Yes, exactly. So you exactly. Yeah, that just doesn't work. And what she uses is in this movie is like, and for those who haven't seen this movie, spoiler alert for everything that happens in this movie, but she plays a character named Elaine who kind of moves to, I guess, Los Angeles area. It's like supposed to be in the Bay. So I think it's supposed to be like Sacramento or something. Like it's like not quite the Bay, but it's like not LA. It's still it's very So it just like reminds me of like very idyllic, like, California in the 60s yeah, sort yeah of. exactly even, it's even kind of got that like creepy a bit of like Mancini vibe to it mm -hmm. 
but she moves there after having probably killed her shitty husband. Um, and she's just looking for love and she's involved with a coven who the coven actually seems pretty functional compared to her, like in terms yeah. of their like eating yeah. except for the creepy uh high priest. Yeah. But she ends up like ensnaring one guy with a love spell and then he dies. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And then um, she ends up seducing her friend's husband because he's just there. And then another, then she ends up seducing and casting a spell on the police officer, the police officer who's inf- investigating her. And then everyone ends up sad and dead at the end because it is mm-hmm. a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Um, though she's not dead at the end. It's sort of got this very open-ended. She's, you know, killed the police officer and she seems sort of shocked by that but it's very much like she's in this vicious cycle of she wants love mm-hmm. and she uses love magic and sex magic to get it but then once she has it she just wants more because it's not actually fulfilling for her yes that's a great way of putting it and she puts herself in this role of like this perfect subservient woman who's looking for a hero and looking for love and just wants to cook dinner for these guys and then she gets bored with them because that's boring and those gender roles are boring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's a really fascinating movie. It's interesting. Like uh, the podcast you're talking about the you were on earlier this week, I listened to it. It was great. Yay! It was that Witch Life who yes. are friends are there, wonderful people. And hopefully I'm going to have them on soon. Courtney has called dibs on WandaVision. So yeah, that's awesome. Um, but one of the things that struck me in those discussions and that applies to this movie is we think of love magic as something casting spells to bring love to us like Mm -hmm. money magic but sex magic is a technique of magic Mm -hmm. you don't really necessarily so that's like love and sex magic are two very different it's like cooking and soup or you know they're both related but they're not the same things Mm -hmm. and so she uses sex magic to do love magic Mm -hmm. and what do you think about like the interaction of those two things because I think that well I'll go into this later but I think that they we can think of those in different ways absolutely I was um I think I was having this conversation yesterday actually but um I think that if you are somebody who likes masturbating or is sexual or has a high libido or like likes exploring sexuality that sex magic can be really really beneficial in every form of magic really like I think that it can be used in so many different ways whether it's you know it's like sex magic is like gasoline that can fuel other spells whereas like love magic is like the actual like container that you can put sex magic in like or work with it I don't know that analogy didn't make any sense but Um, I, you know, I think that if like you're asexual or if you're not really comfortable with your sexuality, like you can absolutely practice sex, practice love magic and have very powerful experiences that suit whatever kind of, whatever love means to you. Um, but like for me, for example, like I use love, I use sex magic for, for love spells because like I work with goddesses of love who are also goddesses of sex. Um, and just because that is something that I enjoy that. I like being connected with. Um, But I think that it's important to have like your own definition of like what sex is, have your own definition of like 
what sexual energy means to you and like what your comfort level is with that. And then like, also like what love means to you, because when we talk about love magic, even like, is it like love magic to like bring in really deep friendships? Is it love magic for like romance? Is it love magic to bring in like a committed relationship? Is it love magic to bring in like a nurturing, like, I feel like love too, like when we extend our, our understanding of like the fact that there's more than just romantic love, it can help us expand the kind of magic that fits into that, which I think is ultimately just very heart centered and drawing in from like that space. Um, but I think that if you are looking to bring in any kind of love that also includes a sexual element and energy, then exploring love magic by yourself can help you more easily um, embody that and visualize that kind of relationship with somebody versus like, like plus a love spell. So like for me, like I, you know, like it's important that like whoever I am in relationship with eventually like that we have similar desire sexually so like I will incorporate like that kind of sex magic that reflects and mimics the kind of sex I want to be having into a love magic spell because during a love magic spell I'm already going to be doing something through ritual that helps me embody the sort of love that I want to draw to me so like by working with sex magic with a love spell or with love magic then like you can just I think that if you're at least if you're doing something that you like some kind of relationship that involves sex it could be very powerful but for me like because it's just like part of my devotional work with goddess and because it's just something that's important for me to explore and because I have a lot of Scorpio I guess in my chart like sex magic and love magic go hand in hand but like that does not have to be how it is if that is not something that you're drawn to but I also think that when we have really like knee-jerk reactions to something especially around like sexuality like it is invitation to safely dig deeper into why we're having those reactions like whether that's doing that with a therapist or a journal or just like bookmarking it and like allowing it to be there because like sometimes especially with like kinky stuff having like a knee-jerk reaction is actually like might be something you end up liking so if like you're not comfortable with sex magic yet there's no rush and there's no problem, but maybe one day you will be and it'll be there for you. Yeah. I mean, when you look at like the idea of like the cone of power or other mm-hmm. spells, like sex magic is the ultimate, like raising energy mm-hmm. and releasing it towards mm-hmm. a goal. And like an orgasm can definitely be a really powerful way of exactly. raising that energy and releasing it. Exactly. And I definitely, I'm going to tell my mom not to listen to this episode because sometimes she listens to my podcast. <laughs> But like, I definitely will, I definitely think that that is a powerful kind of magic and also can be a powerful devotional offering Mm -hmm. to whatever deity or spirit you're working with. But also it's like, it's sympathetic magic as well. It's like Mm -hmm. attracts like, and we're also, you know, if you want to bring love into your life, be loving to yourself. If you Mm -hmm. want to bring sensuality to your life, bring sensuality to yourself. Exactly. But thinking about like how sex has that powerful energy I was thinking about love magic as in like using the power of your love mm-hmm. as energy as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our, our magic and our spells can come from deep emotion. And I'm a giant smushy romantic who thinks that there's nothing more powerful than love. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I, you know, and to actually bring in an example from fuck JK Rowling, but Harry Potter, like, 
the most powerful spell that happens in that book is the protection his mother gives him because mm-hmm. of her love and how like I do protection spells for my house and my family all the time and how the act of loving powers that spell. And so mm-hmm. I think we also think of love magic as magic that comes from our deep love yeah. for people too. I love that. I totally agree. And I think that embodying love and becoming that vessel for that current is like the most powerful love spell more than like anything. So I love that. And I love that you cast protection spells for your family and house that's so sweet i did um our first uh bridget crosses for embolic with Aww. my my little girl she didn't actually like make the bridget cross that was a bit too complicated for yeah. her but she decided to like wind together some like wheat sheaves and grass she's like i'm making bridget flowers i'm like cute she's like do you think bridget will like them i'm like i'm sure she will yeah so sweet um, but it was like something made with like love and devotion for our family. And so we now have them in our house and our altars. And so Cute. I think that that's the most protective magic is something yeah, that kind of comes from that love. So, you know, that is kind of, again, in contrast to this movie where a lot of, I think her magic that kind of goes wrong comes from a place of likeness. And I don't think she ha- that Elaine in this movie has a lot of love or respect for herself. Yeah. because of the I way shitty men have treated her yeah she's looking for external validation and power for sure yeah and it's interesting one of the things that they show in this movie is they have the wiccan sort of inspired ceremony and rite that she goes to not the not her initiation when we can talk about that mm-hmm. later but the like the circle she goes to and they're doing the charge of the goddess mm-hmm. which is one of my favorite like pieces of witchy wiccan writing and they say you know the all acts of love and pleasure are my rituals Mm -hmm. and but then they um stop before the part of the charge it says you know where the goddess is saying i've been with you from the beginning and i'm there inside you they don't get into that Mm -hmm. and they don't get into the big point that like you have to look inside yourself and that really changes the whole meaning of Mm -hmm. the scene and what elaine is getting from that because she's only getting the whole love and pleasure are my rituals mm-hmm. and which is how she like relates to spirit and magic yeah I feel like she's like a very like secular witch in a lot of ways like even though she's like like I don't I don't know I'm like she's into like love magic and spells but I'm like I I feel like she goddess and her might not be on like the best terms she seems just very like almost like satanic in that way where it's like really just like rooted in her own desires versus in connection with something larger than herself some kind of yeah there's not a lot of um there's a lot of goddess and god symbolism in this movie but there's not actually a lot of relationship to exactly she's more into the spell work and the aesthetics yeah which is fine fine that's that's completely valid yeah um but they do like it is an interesting way of like, I don't know if Ann Billers is a pagan or a witch or a practitioner, know, but yeah. she definitely seems to like the, or be fascinated with the aesthetic of it all, mm-hmm. especially the kind of retro yeah. version of it. Well, yeah, let's talk about that um, initiation scene, which is sort of yeah. probably for me the most uncomfortable scene yeah, where for sure. she, you know, she says she's been empowered by witchcraft and it's great for her and she found witchcraft after this shitty marriage to this guy who was always telling her how awful and ugly and Mm -hmm. useless she was and 
then she is initiated and the initiation involves um basically a, a rape yeah like it, I mean, I think it's a rape and that she doesn't seem to really want to consent to having sex with this high priest. Mm-hmm. Certainly, if you go to a coven and somebody want, tries to do that to you, run away as fast as you can. Yeah. yeah. Like that is not an accurate portrayal of a healthy coven environment. No, not at all. But I do think it says something about the way that there are people in all communities, all religious mm-hmm. communities who yeah. will try and exploit women and say, oh, you will be more enlightened if you have sex with me. Yeah, exactly. I was just reading about that. It's just not, it's always like, yeah, it's, it's, it really, it is really shitty to see people in powers that are supposed to be these like spiritual figures that um, end up using their powers and abusing them and like abusing people and followers and women in the process. Like I can think of so many people just off the top of my head, like in different communities, like, and it's, it's really just unbalanced energy. Like you, it's just out of touch delusion. And it, it really sucks because I, it's hard. It's hard to trust leaders when there's so many that are, you know, corrupt. And I definitely think that there are like, leaders and gurus who are are worthy of attention but like I just really trust no guru don't trust I I I just am too west I maybe I'm too western but I'm like I can't trust somebody who thinks that they know me better than I know me because nobody Mm -hmm. will ever know me as well as I do even if I'm like not witnessing a part of myself maybe like I just anybody who's like oh but like I know best for you because like you don't know like it's just it's dangerous yeah and I know like there's a lot of criticism like especially in like these younger kids and the tiktoks and the hexing the moon types, like yeah. against like the very early wiccans because they kind of see them as like dirty old men that just wanted everyone to be sky clad so they could have sex yeah. with their coveners and that maybe was definitely the case I'm sure in some cases but also you have to like look at early Wicca especially in witchcraft Mm -hmm. in the mid 20th century in the context of this was happening in like the 40s and 50s and 60s as part of the sexual revolution and people were were being able to be sky clad in a ritual was maybe a reason to look at boobs but it was also like a very subversive and powerful thing yeah in like the yeah. 60s and 50s and like so many of that came from so much of that came from Crowley which was a reaction to Victorian times which yeah. is like even worse and like very misogynistic and yeah I have to feel like you have to look at it in context it's 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 hard and also like if you study like any form of like western like witchcraft like western esotericism like you are going to be influenced by 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 Gardner you're going to be influenced by Crowley like that's just because like that is like a big part of like what was adopted by other groups and like what came through that current and like if you're studying any kind of western occultism like you're going to be influenced by the golden dawn and by Kabbalah like these are just this is just it's just how it is like and I, I mean yeah like I found witchcraft through Wicca and like although I don't identify with it anymore like there's a lot of parts of my practice that are still related to that and like that it is what it is like you have to take everything in in context like you were saying like you know no things change and evolve and like I know that in 100 years people are going to be looking back on our times and having criticism like that's just what it is and I don't know I can't imagine what what people are going to say about this time I'm, I'm tangent like (laughs) 
apparently having a side part is now a sign of being like an old millennial and all the generation z i'm like oh really? why do you hate side parts i just i never you will never catch this is as close as the middle part i'll get and it's because half of my head is shaved off so i'm just like why are you i don't know like you guys dress like nerds in the 90s but like don't do it ironically so like I don't trust your opinion I have a side part because in high school I was not the only you know teen who had seen the craft and was into witchy things I there was another girl who was into that who got real mad at me because I told the principal um she was skipping class or something I don't remember why she's mad at me but she came at me at lunch with like craft scissors like the kitty scissors cut off a chunk of my hair to put a curse on me and then got like my webbing between my thumb and hand I still have a scar she got suspended for like two weeks because she did literally there was a window from the principal's office and she was in front of the window so um, but that's why like I had to part my hair on the side in my sophomore year of college because or high school because I had this big hunk of hair Oh my Cut god! Because this girl's well, trying to put a curse on me. She hexed herself. I'm sure if she even did anything. Obviously, that that karma, that energy was like, nope, not, not good, not good. Instant karma for her because it was like instant. Like, yeah. and I had all my friends around me who were all like theater people, and they're like, what the fuck? <laughs> Yelling. Yeah, I can imagine that. Yeah. So yeah, don't be that girl. But yet, it is interesting, you know, we have these influences of Gardner and Crowley and the Golden Dawn and like they're influenced by the Freemasons and Mm -hmm. even in Wicca and witchcraft, which is very much feminist and Mm -hmm. about creating a space and empowering women. So many of like the powerful voices are male Um, voices, Mm -hmm. even now, like some of the most all the like, you know, and I love some of these authors, but you look at like the top 10 witch books and there's eight out of 10 are by men. Mm-hmm. and it's just patriarchy is hell of a drug it's a hard thing to get out from under yeah exactly and it it comes it comes back it's structure it's structurally like there so it's like it comes back in less and less but like it's still like it's crazy how how much there is and yeah I, I think about that a lot too like it's it's very sad like I was reading a book even about like the like rock and roll and the occult and like I was like wow this book was so good I was like there's something off about it um and I was like the I think the only like they mentioned a lot of occultists who were musicians or opposite rather musicians who were interested in the occult and who were practicing occultists um and I think they like maybe mentioned Stevie Nicks and that was it there was no like woman that was like talked about very deeply at all and I was like sucks like you know, like, of course, like most, I mean, that was pretty good about not just being white dudes, but it's just like, and you know, like I say, this is like a, a white Jewish woman. Like I also have a lot of privilege in this space as an able-bodied person too. Like it sucks, but it's just like, yeah, it's like, how are the people we talk about? Like, oh man, even like the Rider weight deck, like no Pamela Coleman Smith is the one that painted it. Like that's why I'm like, yeah. when I talk about the Thoth deck. I talk about Lady Frida Harris because she painted it. And like, you know, like, I don't know. It sucks. It's, it sucks to think about, but we're changing it. And there's going to be a variety of more, even more voices that aren't just even women that are non-binary and that are trans. And I mean, trans people are, you know, that that's not its own category, but like, just it's a prevalence of, I feel like cis dudes. So, yeah, it's still a thing. 
And like this movie is very much about it's sort of a it's sort of left open in this movie, I think, whether or not she is subverting all those patriarchal and like mm-hmm. some, you know, assumed gender role structures or whether or not she is like playing into it and that's sort of her downfall. Yeah. Is playing yeah. into those gender roles and like limiting herself because she's very much a powerful woman and a powerful witch, but she's yeah. limiting herself to these like kind of lame dudes for what like none of these guys are really yeah. like the okay. police officer is maybe kind of cute but yeah, the other cute. two guys are like sort of goobers yeah, um true. but i am i'm gay so i i will let other people tell me whether or not those guys are hot but um there are still some guys i find hot but not these ones <laughs> and but like it's very much like it's so like they they step into a renaissance fair and it becomes even oh, more yeah. dated yeah and it's it on like a horse and there's like ha 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 like laughing and this weird songs playing i love that like it made me that was rough to watch during the pandemic because it just oh. made me miss renaissance fair so yeah long. i haven't gone to renaissance fair in so long and i miss it i used to be in a madrigal group that would sing at renaissance fair madrigals also some of the dirtiest music like because madrigals are all about sex and I love that. banging and all the fa la la la's are like the censor bars of the madrigal like oh we went off to the barn fa la 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 and yeah oh my god so funny i never knew that oh yeah there's also a madrigal called cuckoo's nest which is very dirty because a cuckoo's nest refers to ah. a woman's you know happy parts mm-hmm. <laughs> um Sorry, that was a madrigal tangent. Musical history tangents are one of my specialties. <laughs> but I love that scene, though, because it's so beautiful. And, like, the way they mirror certain, like, tarot cards in mm-hmm. there. And they have the Oak King and the Holly King stuff. Mm-hmm. And I am I was very worried watching it because I was afraid it was going to start getting going to the Wicker Man Midsommar thing. We're like, oh, okay, yeah. time for, there's pagans, time for human sacrifice. Because yeah. that's what pagans do. <laughs> But I love the part. Do you have a favorite scene or a favorite like look or moment from this movie? I literally have like a whole file on my computer that's just like screenshots from this movie. So I definitely have like many favorite looks. I honestly like the beginning is like one of my favorite parts. Just like her driving with like this like incredible red look on and like reaching into her like little red, like shiny bag and like pulling out like her tarot cards fall out and she like grabs like the three of swords comes out and like I love that part but I really love the renaissance fair too that part is so fun and like just like such like I'm like I want to go to that fucking summer solstice celebration like that is where I want to be um I I I love when she's like stripping for her friend's husband and she's like in like that like I think she's like wearing like black and like she's like in like this like nude lingerie like every I feel like every look is great but um I don't know there's a lot let me I'm gonna look on my let me see if I can find my uh screenshots but yeah it's my my answer for right now I love her look and I was you might know this quote better than me but somebody posted on Twitter it was like I think a Crowley quote and it's like it was referring to like a woman as like blue lidded like the dawn or something and like her blue eyeshadow reminded me of that yeah absolutely she's like yeah 
I feel like that, I think that's talking about maybe like Nuit, Nuit, the goddess, and maybe yeah. not, but I, I know I love her makeup and her like eyelashes and the, just the attention to detail, like when she's like on her like pentagram, when she's on her pentagram um, carpet and she's just like in lingerie and she's about to do sex magic and she's like, love me love me or like whatever she's saying like I love that part I just like love all the details it's just ever all the scenes in her house specifically like when she's like making all her potions and like oh yeah doing all her spells and it's just like her like with like her like herbs like I love that part I think every witch wants that apartment and that beautiful like wall of herbs and a beautiful book of shadows it's like hand calligraphed yeah exactly and um rather than like you know what most of our book of shadows look like which is just like yeah. scrawled in crayon and coffee mm-hmm. spill here and this part caught yeah. on fire I actually haven't caught my book of shadows on fire I have caught my carpet on fire doing spells so that was... if I had yeah I've almost done that I have wood floors now thank god but oh, oh my gosh I've gotten yeah wax on carpet set my fire alarm off like almost gotten things started on fire but yeah. Are you really a witch if you haven't caught your hair on fire at some point? Right. right. I've lit, I think I've lit my fake nail on fire before. So I've lit my real nail on fire. Oof. Um, they don't burn very fast, so it's fine. Yeah. Uh, hair burns very fast, I'm sure. <laughs> Never fun. Um, I love that. It's so interesting to me that she wears a wig on top of her black. I know. The volume. Um, I get it. But like it's so interesting because it's there's so much like artifice to her look. Yeah. And I love the scene where she's like dancing for the first dude. Um and she like pulls open her coat and it's and got it's the rainbow. Technicolor. The rainbow for you. I know. And then it's like the house, like the kind of like acidy trip moments of like the different colors because he's on he's on some drugs. On yeah. Something. Again, non-consensual magic or non-consensual hallucinogens, not a great no, not a good, not a good not thing. A good vibe for good sex or good magic. Agreed, agreed. Um, or just any kind of good relationship. Just yeah. don't do things to your friends unconsensually. Like, just don't. Yeah, this is movie is a really good lesson about consent mm-hmm. and how to not go about doing things yeah. without consent. Is you know, you talked about earlier about sex magic as like with masturbation and uh, in another book that you recommended, uh, Sacred Kink, they talk about sex magic and whether or not you, when you're you doing sex magic with a partner, you need to get consent for that. Yeah, absolutely. Like don't, you know, you have to be on the same page with someone. Yeah. Like don't use that moment without talking to them about it. Even if, yeah. it's, even if it's like, you know, a person who is not in the craft like you need yeah. to sort of talk about those things yeah because you're it's just it's gonna it you know and it's like it's layered because it's like well what if I just like think about something as I come like it's not that big of a deal but also it's like if you actually want it to be a powerful experience like this person at least needs to just like be aware of what's going on like it's just yeah just consent and like you know like some people like Crowley like are like you don't have to the person shouldn't be a trained occultist or they shouldn't be a trained occultist. They should just be somebody who like you're able to like have sex with and do freaky things with. And like, I, you know, I think that's up to everybody's discretion. Like I, I get it, I guess. Like I just am in the camp of like, I 99% of my sex magic has been solo and I'm like, it's just easier and more powerful and like less distracting almost. But I think it's so important to get consent. Like it's just, 
don't you want like your magic to be like as like aligned as possible because I feel like having that like not communicated is just gonna like affect the energy and like the trust that's there yeah absolutely it's sort of you know it's a fly in the ointment it's you know it's something that is not the right you want to have as much energy resonating with it as possible and you maybe want that other person's energy resonating on the same frequency yeah and so and I definitely think that what you know she it's sort of implied this movie that when she's having sex with these guys she's using that as like to further you know ensnare them and once once she's got them she's just like oh well I don't need you anymore I'm going to move on yeah next because that actually doesn't create any fulfilling relationship for her yeah exactly um there's also a lot in this movie kind of about like the local prejudice against the witches that have moved in it's such an interesting kind of take on you know witch trials and the way that you know the his consultant you know talks about witches and witch bottles and Mm -hmm. all that he says he names some sata and he says it wrong like and i don't know if that was intentional but which what which part that was he probably says like samhain oh yeah i think you're right oh my god yeah it's like what bro like we all know it's Samhain. like even if that's wrong like that's yeah you're right but yeah it's like i I wonder if that was intentional to see like no no this guy doesn't get it this is you know the old patriarchal perception of witchcraft yeah disguised in a different outfit yeah Ah, that guy what do you think about the witch bottle stuff i thought that was really interesting watching this movie because it is one of the kind of it gets into some of the you know can be grosser aspects of oh i love it i'm like yeah use your tampons and use your pee like especially i mean that like the magic it goes along with i don't really fuck with like no i don't think you should give somebody hallucinogenic uh herbs and a drink and surprise them and then like fuck them and then like send them into like psychosis and then kill them and then then do a witch's bottle for protection like not a good idea but like I don't know I'm like I I think there is power in the subversive and I think that it it can't be it's like it has to have a purpose behind it like what is what is this empowering and why are you using these things like what what is the point it can't be just that but like I've definitely used period blood and spells um and if you know like I, I get it. I think it's kind of fun, but like, again, don't, don't kill your boo and then try to fucking protect yourself. Yeah. Not, not great. That's sort of to do it the other way. Yeah. Just don't mm-hmm. like, yeah, there's, there's certainly you no know, people can debate about baneful magic and that sort of thing, but I'm going to be controversial here and say like, don't kill people. During yeah, your magic. Right? I'm going to take a it. hard stance there. Yeah, me too. <laughs> no, fel- no felonies. Yeah, the only kind of deaths we support are little deaths, and those are but also consensual. So yes. it's not the same thing. I think the funniest part in the movie for me is when like the police officers are like, "What's that thing in the bottle?" Because they've never seen a tampon. Oh, it's so funny! <laughs> like, I don't think I ever caught that. That was like the joke I was making. Yeah, they're like, "Oh, what's that?" Huh? But, and I love that you know, one of the things and when she's making her spells or something, it looks like she's creating some big potion. It's just soap. Yeah, right. 
so funny. Um, I love it. Like, like she has like a whole like alchemical set, like alchemy set set up, and it's like, no, no, not a, not really using it at all. But I love it. I love it. So pretty. I don't even care. I'm like, I love how it looks. I don't care what she's doing. Yeah, it's just pretty, and she looks so beautiful doing it in mm-hmm. her beautiful wig and. She's got like the hair bra going basically, mm-hmm. which I've got now because I haven't cut my hair during the pandemic. Same. It was a great year for people who are trying to grow out their hair. Yeah. My, I finally grew out my bangs because it's like, okay, so those aren't, gonna, I'm not going to be, I'm, I did not cut my own bangs in quarantine. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I can't, I can't rock bangs even if I wanted to, which is a blessing. Yeah. I, one time I was speaking of consent, I was given bangs non-consensually. Like I got a haircut and suddenly this guy just cut bangs. I'm like, that's, bangs are a big life choice. Like that's you? horrible. That's not okay. I'm like, dude, don't. All right. Well, I have bangs now. They look fine, but I didn't ask for bangs. That's so, I would never go to that hairstylist again. No, I, I didn't. I never went back to that salon. Mm-mm. So what do you think, like how... This movie's not too old, but I feel like it's really become more and more of like a cult classic, especially mm-hmm. among witches. And like, how do you think it's influenced witches and the witchcraft and pagan community? Because I think, especially now, like a lot of like the Instagram witchery is about oh, yeah. like hashtag the aesthetic. And yeah, this absolutely. is such an aesthetic movie. I feel like I, I feel like it's inspired a lot of us aesthetically. It's inspired, I think, a lot of people to like, like, I am in the camp that, like, obviously buying stuff to fulfill, to find, like, validation and fulfillment and, like, to go through, like, that kind of consumerist capitalistic lens of, like, I'm going to buy stuff so I'm going to feel good about myself. Obviously, that's not good. And also, but also rather, like, beautiful things have power. Like, there is a reason that churches and mosques and temples in places of worship are beautiful. There is a reason that you feel touched when you see a sunset. There's a reason that like you have an internal reaction to seeing flowers and that's because beauty is the language of the divine. But like, you don't have to like spend a lot of money for that. So, I mean, in also it's okay if you do spend money, it's so nuanced, but like, I really do think that like, it's okay for you to like how things look. And I feel like just because you have an aesthetic doesn't mean you are a witch. But having an aesthetic doesn't mean you're not a witch. Like it can coexist and it can exist without it. And like, I definitely think this movie has maybe made that divide between like witchy aesthetic versus like actual witch a little bit bigger. But like Urban Outfitters and fucking American Horror Story Coven have been doing that for like a decade almost. Like that has already existed. And like, I don't know. I think it's a really powerful movie. There's a lot of people, I mean, like I definitely feel like some of my looks emulate that energy and like there have been a lot of people who have just you know like done very similar stuff after it but that's just like what fucking happens and I think it's been really cool to help people reconnect with like just like an ultra feminine aesthetic and like ultra feminine energy of just like love and there's you know it's like anything I have mixed opinions about the witchy aesthetic versus like actual witchcraft but like if people saw the love witch and then like the aesthetic and then get into witchcraft like fuck yeah welcome like that's i don't have any issues with that at all however you come to it yeah welcome yeah and i love that it sort of kind of goes into basically glamour magic is what she's doing and i you know i 
I know you talk about glamour magic and you're a very glamorous person. And I think that like beauty or creating something beautiful can be an offering. It can be an act of magic, an act of empowerment. And whether or not you're being beautiful to attract someone or just beautiful for yourself. And especially this last year, I haven't been able to be beautiful for anyone. I mean, my wife and me, that's about it. Or or my daughter will be like, mom, you put on pants. You look so pretty. Oh, yeah. Like I feel like that's, and that's the thing too. Like you don't have to use glamour magic, but for anybody but yourself, but transforming yourself from the out inside from the outside in is an act of alchemy. Like you are creating something that wasn't there. And I definitely see it as a tool of devotion and both to yourself and to your like flesh vessel and to like, you know, whatever higher power you believe in, but like also like, especially if you work with like a goddess, like that glamour and like luxury and, you know, a lot of the goddesses of love too, like, or art or, you know, like that is part of it. So I definitely love that she had that kind of like glamour, magic, fashion, magic, alchemy energy to it, especially as like a glamour witch. It was like very validating Mm -hmm. to see it so beautifully explored and at a point in our culture when like loving yourself and being believing that you're beautiful and saying like hey hell yeah I'm hot is still controversial and that's still subversive because we're still told that like our beauty and our desirability doesn't rest with us it has to be an outside perspective like there's, mm-hmm. you know, a saying like, if you know, you have a nude painting of a woman and you can call it desire, but if you put a mirror in your mm-hmm. hand, you call it vanity. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, we can like the person you have to love the most is yourself. And that yeah. includes finding yourself beautiful and loving your body and honoring it. Yeah. That's why I say like, that's why I've been really like into the idea of self-lust. Cause it's like, especially if you're looking to like have like a sexy loving relationship with other people, like I want to why wouldn't I have those feelings towards myself as well like there's nothing wrong with that and like having those desires feelings to yourself like that's such like a potent energy that you can like transmute and alchemize for other purposes and I just yeah it's you know like it's like soon as a woman gets confident it's ego it's like yeah why can't I just be confident like you know like if you want to have a good time being sexy you need to be confident like confidence Mm -hmm. is the sexiest thing yep and you know needing somebody else to fulfill you is exactly like elaine's problem you're looking outside of yourself yeah yeah you gotta look inside yourself you gotta love yourself first sometimes literally yeah (laughs) sometimes metaphorically and it's not like you know you have to perfectly love yourself and think that you're perfect because self-love is really hard but you still have to realize that a relationship is not going to solve your problems. Yeah, exactly. And have like, I feel like having accountability for yourself, of like that growth and also having compassion for yourself through the process is really important. Yeah. Loving yourself means, you know, treating yourself as kindly as you would treat your best yeah. friend. Like, and, and like being okay with when you don't feel good instead of being your up, up yourself or like not feeling great all the time. Yeah. You gotta be like, you know, or ha- be your own, mom friend or be your own like Mm. cheerleading squad because you know when you're feeling sick like and I'm a Capricorn I'll be like no I'll keep going I'll keep working you have to have the voice in your head that loves yourself says no no take a nap you're worth it yeah (laughs) you're no use to anyone half dead yeah Yeah, I feel you especially right now it's like we have to remember 
we have to be extra gentle to ourselves through this uh, panorama. We've all collectively been fucking having a very intense experience for almost a year. Even when we think we're okay, like there's a background of like trauma going on. So like, especially right now, having so much love for ourselves and allowing ourselves to be more gentle and to rest more is so important. It is. And like, uh, right now I'm identifying so hard with like today, tomorrow and tonight is Lunar New Year. So it is like the beginning of a new year. We're going from the year of the rat to the year of the ox. And really, honestly, fuck the year of the rat because (laughs) it was, things really didn't go bad until like February February last year. So yeah, you're really really right. It's this lunar year, like, okay. And I feel like things are starting, you know, knock on wood to get better. And I feel like spring is coming in a lot of ways. Like I'm really tapping into that energy and we've got... Mm. And Lunar New Year, we've got this new moon in Aquarius. Like, okay, mm-hmm. let's focus on like the turnaround. But it also means like we've we are healing psych- psychologically and nationally from yeah, you're right. A really big trauma. We still have yeah. to heal, but we can still healing takes time. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, hopefully Year of the Ox will be a bit <laughs> a oh, bit better. I know. I hope so. I really. I fucking hope so. I think it will. I just want to, you know, like go to places and hug, hug some friends. I just want to do some hugging. I just want to dance and go to bookstores and coffee shops and smoke a joint with my friends. Yeah. Uh, yeah for, for me, like I really started getting back into like the pagan community about like a year ago, a bit over a year ago. I'm like, oh, I'm so excited to go to more pagan events and like oh, see God, people yeah. and mm-hmm. hang out. It's like, oh. No, 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 you won't. No. You have to start a podcast so that you can talk to other people. I love it. That's innovative. <laughs> Which has been great. Um, I get to sit in my closet and talk for an hour with awesome people like you. So, <laughs> Thank you. Do you have anything else you want to say about this movie, about like why you love it or why it resonates or any final thoughts? Or I also, I just want to give a shout out to Anna Biller and Samantha Robinson because they are a fucking dream team. Like they, if it wasn't for them, like, I mean, Anna's vision, I just so admire. I'm so excited for the Bluebeard, Bluebeard movie she's going to be doing eventually. And like, oh, that sounds cool. I think Samantha Robinson fucking, my friend, my roommate Miranda says she ate it. She fucking killed it. She literally was made for that role and she's so beautiful. And like, I'm just, I, I like that it is a movie that it has an edge. I like that it is a sword that is sharp. I like that it is subversive and like it is raw and just so beautiful. Like it's never gotten old. I watch it regularly and it's like one of my favorite films of all time. I'm so glad that like I got to experience it in this life. Like I just, I have, it's, I have so much love for her. She's incredible. Yeah, I'm, I think she's truly an artist. And yeah, I can't wait to see what she does. And agreed. I, I hope that you know it, this film has gotten like since its release, it's become more and more popular and more of more of a cult sort mm-hmm. of hit. So I hope that that means that she can continue to do good work and get Me more too. attention because like this is just like the beginning of a career yeah. and the beginning of a vision. And I think and both it, of them are really fantastic. Yeah, and I hope that Anna continues to do stuff with her own voice without compromising, which it seems yeah. like she's doing. Like. I think that's part of the reason it was so powerful. Like you can tell it was like her vision. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, she's not listening to any men or people that are like, no, you should tone it down. You should do this. You should do this. Like, 
I just really admire that as well. Yeah, it's like the beauty of independent film and yep. hope that she keeps doing yep. it. So for those of us or those people listening who want to find you on the internet, where can yes. we find you? And you have so many um, wonderful books out, by the way. I love you. your work. I um, I have been diving into um, Bewitching the Elements. Sorry, I just... Yeah, it's okay. Don't worry. I forgot, like, my, own, I forgot my own titles all the time. So don't but worry about it. I love the way that you talk about the elements, that book. Thank I'm you. really, I really want to... I have not gotten it yet because I have a be read pile about this big so I I'm telling you. myself I can't get any other books till I read the seven I have but I, I embody that. your magic Yay. again on that witch life podcast and I'm like oh yes I, everyone yeah. was talking about it. like oh I want to do that I want to do the tarot spreads and I want to also I have about eight journals too because I'm like oh, oh I, I, need a, I need a journal for this and I need yeah. a journal for tarot yeah. and I <laughs> I love a journal but um yeah, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter. It's Gabby Herstick, um, G-A-B-Y-H-E-R-S-T-I-K. And then my website is Gabriella Herstick.com, G-A-B-R-I-E-L-A-H-E-R-S-T-I-K.com. Um, and I have many links to all my books there. Um, Inner Witch, A Modern Guide to the Ancient Craft, Bewitching the Elements, A Guide to Empowering Yourself Through Earth, Air, Fire, Water, and Spirit. And then Embody Your Magic, a guided journal for the modern witch. And they're all sold like wherever you buy your books, support your local bookstores. Um, if you're in LA, you can order them from Echo Park, or from um, Stories in Echo Park, and then Skylight in Los Feliz Village, which are my favorite bookstores in LA. If you're in Portland, order them from Powell's Books, which is yes. my favorite bookstore. And they're the awesome. Biggest, biggest bookstore, I think, in definitely the biggest bookstore west of the Mississippi. So oh, I love that. Oh, if you ever come to Portland, I'll take you to Powell's. Yay! Um, yeah, I've been there once, but it wasn't for long enough, and I'm excited to go back and, like, see my books there, so. Yeah, and um, yeah, there are beautiful books, and you're working on a book about the goddess that I'm so excited to Thank you. Hear I'm so about excited. It's going to be done. really good. I'm turning it in this year. It'll be out next spring, so yeah. I'm very nervous and excited um, and all the feelings when you have arcs you know give me one and i'll I will. review it because i can't wait because there's there's still i don't think there are enough goddess books out there because thank you the goddess is amazing and mm-hmm. we need to shout her glory from the rooftops because she's awesome yes i couldn't agree more and that's literally what i hope to do with this book awesome well thank you so much for joining me and coming on thank you so much for having me Well, thank you so much to Gabby for coming on the show and talking about Love Witch. I'm so excited to have had that conversation. It was so cool. Again, you can follow her at Gabby Herstick on Twitter. If you want to follow me, I'm at Fangirling Jess, or you can follow the podcast at Real Magic Pod, both on Twitter and on Instagram. We will be back in two weeks with another magical episode. And in the meantime, please rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends about the podcast. Again, email us if you have any questions at uh, realmagicpod at gmail.com. Have a wonderful New Year, Valentine's, February, Mardi Gras, and we'll see you in two weeks. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye, cool. Goodbye to life. Goodbye. 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 Goodbye to life. Goodbye. 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 Go